chills, dreamy summer bites, flashes of horror and suspense. Bite back at the fear. Arabian Nights, or The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night. Volume 5, The Ebony Horse, narrated by Mavsky. Night 357. There was once in times of yore, in ages long gone before, a great and puissant king, of the king of the Persians, Sabir by name, who was the richest of all the kings in store of wealth and dominion, and surpassed each and every in wit and wisdom. He was generous, open-handed, and beneficent, and he gave to those who sought him, and repelled not those who resorted to him. And he comforted the brokenhearted, and honorably entreated those who fled to him for refuge. Moreover, he loved the poor and was hospitable to strangers and did the oppressed justice upon the oppressor. He had three daughters, like full moons of shining light or flower gardens blooming bright, and the sun as he were the moon, and it was his wont to keep two festivals in the twelfth month, those of the now Raz, or New Year, and Migran, the autumnal equinox on which occasions he threw open his palaces and gave largesse and made proclamation of safety and security and promoted his chamberlains and viceroys. And the people of his realm came into him and saluted him and gave him joy of the holy day, bringing him gifts and servants and eunuchs. Now, he loved science and geometry and one festival day as he sat on his kingly throne there came in to him three wise men, cunning artificers and past masters in all manner of craft and inventions, skilled in making things curious and rare, such as confound the wit, and versed in the knowledge of occult truths and perfect in mysteries and subtleties. And they were of three different tongues and countries, the first a Hindi or Indian, the second, a Rumi or Greek, and the third, a Farsi or Persian. The Indian came forwards and, prostrating himself before the king, wished him joy of the festival and laid before him a present befitting his dignity. That is to say, a man of gold set with precious gems and jewels of price and, hending in hand, a golden trumpet. When Sebur saw this, he asked, O oh, sage, what is the virtue of this figure? And the Indian answered, O oh, my lord, if this figure be set at the gate of the city, it will be a guardian over it. For if an enemy enter the place, it will blow this clarion against him, and he will be seized with a palsy and drop down dead. Much the king marveled at this and cried, by Allah, O sage, and thy word be true, I will grant thee thy wish and thy desire. Then came forward the Greek, and prostrating himself before the king, presented him with a basin of silver, 
in whose midst was a peacock of gold, surrounded by four and twenty chicks of the same metal. Sever looked at them, turning to the Greek, and said to him, O sage, what is the virtue of this peacock? O my lord, answered he, as often as an hour of the day or night passeth, it pecketh one of its young, and crieth out, and flappeth its wings, till the four and twenty hours are accomplished. And when the month cometh to an end, it will open its mouth, and thou shalt see the crescent therein. And the king said, And thou speak sooth, I will bring thee to thy wish and thy desire. Then came forward the Persian sage, and prostrating himself before the king, presented him with a horse of the blackest ebony wood, inlaid with gold and jewels, and ready harnessed with a saddle, bridle, and stirrups, such as befit kings, which, when Saber saw, he marveled with exceeding marvel, and was confounded at the beauty of its form and the ingenuity of its fashion. So, he asked, what is the use of this horse of wood, and what is its virtue? And what is the secret of its movement? And the Persian answered, O my lord, the virtue of this horse is that if one mounts him, it will carry him whither. He will and fare with its rider through the air and cover the space of a year in a single day. The king marveled and was amazed at these three wonders, following thus hard upon one another on the same day. And turning to the sage, he said to him, By Allah the Omnipotent, and our Lord the Beneficent, who created all creatures, and feedeth them with meat and drink, and thy speech be veritable, and the virtue of thy contrivance appear, I will assuredly give thee whatever thou lustest for, and will bring thee to thy desire and thy wish. Then he entertained the sages three days, that he might make trial of their gifts. After which they brought the figures before him, and each took the creature he had rotten and showed him the mystery of its movement. The trumpeter blew the trump, the peacock pecked its chicks, and the Persian sage mounted the ebony horse, whereupon it soared with him high in air and descended again. When King Zeber saw all this, he was amazed and perplexed and felt like to fly for joy and said to the three sages, Now I am certified at the truth of your words, and it behooves me to quit of my promise. Ask ye therefore what ye will, and I will give you the same. Now the report of the king's daughters had reached the sages, so they answered, If the king be content with us and accept our gifts, and allow us to prefer a request to him, we crave of him that he give us his three daughters in marriage, that we may be his son-in-laws, for that the stability of kings may not be gainsaid. Quoth the king, I grant you that which you wish and you desire, and bade summon the Kazi forthright, that he might marry each of the sages to one of his daughters. Now, it fortuned that the princesses were behind a curtain, looking on, and when they heard this, the youngest considered her husband to be, and behold, he was an old man, a hundred years of age, with frosted hair, forehead drooping, eyebrows mangy, ears slitten, beard and mustachios stained and dyed, eyes red and goggled, 
cheeks bleached and hollow, flabby nose like a brujal, an eggplant face like a cobbler's apron, teeth overlapping and lips like camel's kidneys, loose and pendulous. In brief, a terror, a horror, a monster, for he was of the folk of his time, the unsightliest, and of his age, the frightfulest. Sundry of his grinders had been knocked out, and his eye teeth were like the tusks of the genie who frightened poultry and hen houses. Now, the girl was the fairest and most graceful of her time, more elegant than the gazelle, however, tenderer than the gentlest Zephyr Lander, and brighter than the moon at her fall, for amorous fray right suitable, confounding and graceful sway the waving bow, and outdoing in swimming gait the pacing row. In fine, she was fairer and sweeter by far than all her sisters. So when she saw her suitor, she went to her chamber and strewed dust on her head and tore her clothes and fell to buffeting her face and weeping and wailing. Now the prince, her brother, Kamar Ala Kamar, or the moon of moons, height, was then newly renewed from a journey and hearing her weeping and crying came into her for he loved her with fond affection more than his other sisters and asked her, what illeth thee, what hath befallen thee? Tell me and conceal not from me. So she smote her breast and answered, oh, my brother and my dear one, I have nothing to hide. If the palace be straightened upon thy father, I will go out. And if he be resolved upon a foul thing, I will separate myself from him though he consent not to make provision for me, and my lord will provide. Quoth he, Tell me what thy meaneth with this talk, and what hath straightened thy breast and troubled thy temper. O my brother and my dear one, answered the princess, know that my father hath promised me in marriage to a wicked magician, who brought him, as a gift, a horse of black wood, and hath bewitched him with his craft and egromancy. But as for me, I will none of him, and would, because of him, I would never come into this world. Her brother soothed her and solaced her, then fared to his sire and said, What be this wizard to whom thou hast given my youngest sister in marriage? And what is this present which he has brought thee, so that thou hast killed my sister with chagrin? It is not right that this should be. Now the Persian was standing by, and when he heard the prince's words, he was mortified and filled with fury. And the king said, O oh, my son, and thou sawest this horse, thy wit would be confounded, and thou wouldst be amazed with amazement. Then he bade the slaves bring the horse before him, and they did so. And when the prince saw it, pleased him. So. Being an accomplished cavalier, he mounted it forthright and struck its sides with a shovel-shaped stirrup irons, but stirred not. And the king said to the sage, Go show him its movement, that he may also help thee to win thy wish. Now the Persian bore the prince a grudge, because he willed not he should have his sister. So he showed him the pin of ascent on the right side of the horse, and saying to him, Trill this, left him. Thereupon the prince trilled the pine, and lo, the horse forthwith soared, with him high in ether, 
as if it were a bird, and gave not over flying till it disappeared from the men's espying. Whereat the king was troubled and perplexed about this case, and said to the Persian, O sage, look how thou makest him descend. But he replied, O my lord, I can do nothing, and thou wilt never see him again till resurrection day, for he, of his ignorance and pride, asked me not of the pin of descent, and I forgot to acquaint him therewith. When the king heard this, he was enraged with sore rage, and bade the sorcerer and clap him in jail, whilst he himself cast the crown from his head and beat his face and smote his breast. Moreover, he shut the doors of the palaces and gave himself up to weeping and keening, he and his wife and daughters and all the folk of the city, and thus their joy was turned to annoy, and their gladness changed into sore affliction and sadness. Thus far concerning them, but as regards to the prince, the horse gave not over soaring with him till he drew near the sun, whereas he gave himself up for lost and saw death in the skies, and was confounded at his case repenting him of having mounted the horse and saying to himself, Verily, this was a device of the sage to destroy me on account of my youngest sister. But there is no majesty, and there is no might save in Allah, the glorious, the great. I am lost without recourse. But I wonder, did not he who made the scent pin make also a decent pin? Now he was a man of wit and knowledge and intelligence, so he fell to feeling all the parts of the horse, but saw nothing save a screw, like a cock's head, and on its right shoulder, and the like on the left. When quoth he to himself, I see no sign save these things like buttons. Presently he turned the right-hand pin, whereupon the horse flew heavenwards with increased speed. So he left it and looked at the sinister shoulder, and finding another pin, he wound it up, and immediately the steed's upward motion slowed and ceased, and it began to descend, little by little, towards the face of the earth, while the rider became yet more cautious and careful of his life. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say.